Welcome to Northgate Bible Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast, where you can listen to our latest sermons, filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're outdoors, in the car, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Dan, if he would uh, read the scripture reading for this morning. So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10, and he's going to start in verse 12 and read to the end. All right. Romans chapter 10, verse 12. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the end of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. And Isaiah says, boldly, I was found by those who were not looking for me. I revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. As we begin this morning, let's just pause uh, and ask the Lord's blessing uh, on his word. Uh, He will bless his word. Um, So let's just pause and and ask him to be with us this morning. Father, we pray that as we open your word, that you would um, just reveal yourself and your son to us, that it would have an impact on our lives and change us for your glory, we pray. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would um, just uh, be in all that's said and that the things that are said would be the words that you would have said, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we begin this morning, uh, I know the passage I have starts in 14, but I wanted uh, to read those previous two uh, verses because it talks about uh, there's no distinction between the Jews and the Greeks, or there's no distinction between the Jews and everyone else. And that uh, when he says in verse 13 that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. So it's, uh, it's uh, Paul writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, the message of the gospel is for everyone. And so uh, we want to come from that this morning. Now, as uh, Paul begins, um, 
he, he starts with four questions. And perhaps uh, you might call them rhetorical questions, I don't know. Uh, but uh, there's four questions that Paul uh, presents. And they seem pretty obvious. Uh, the answers seem obvious. And uh, these questions really apply to uh, not just to the nation of Israel, but to all of us as we consider uh, the word of God and the gospel. So as we, as we start, because the, the questions are really regarding the message of Jesus Christ. You know, when he says in, uh, in verse 15, when he references back to uh, the Old Testament passage uh, that says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and who bring glad tidings of good things, right? Well, today, and in Paul, as Paul is saying that, the good tidings, the, gla- the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has been born and he's here to bring redemption and forgiveness uh, of our sins. And so as we think about these questions, we'll think about it from that respect. Uh, in the first question that, we, that he addresses is, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And uh, as I was reading that, you know, it seems like a very straightforward question, right? How would you call on somebody who don't, you don't believe in? Let's just think of it from that practical aspect. I'm not going to call somebody that I don't believe exists, right? If they don't exist, why would I call on them? But the idea of call here is the idea of appealing for help. You're calling for help. You're looking for help from someone. And um, the hymn in, in that question is the Lord Jesus. The hymn is the Lord Jesus. Because at the beginning of our chapter uh, that was covered last week, uh, we see that it's very clear that the, the Jewish people have a knowledge of God. They have a zeal for God, but not with the right perspective. It's the idea of like, we can do this. We can accomplish what we need to accomplish. We can be right with God by following these rules that he's given us. And what, what, is, what happens when Jesus comes is it's like Jesus fulfills the law and it's faith that's going to make the difference. And the fact is that it was always faith. It was never about being able to keep the law because no one could do that. It was always about faith in, in the Lord Jesus and in God. So as he... Uh, as he presents this, it's not the question, the Jewish people and the, and the Gentiles of the day did not have a question of did Jesus exist? It was, he was there, they had seen him, there was historical evidence that Jesus existed. The real question was, is Jesus who he says he is? Is Jesus God? Is he indeed the Messiah for the Jewish people? The question is, is Jesus the Messiah, which they clearly have, have, have had and have rejected uh, that as a nation. But for the, for the Gentile people, for us, that's a question of, is there the acceptance of the idea of that there is one true God, right? The, the Gentiles in general, they worshiped a lot of gods. They had a lot of things that they worshiped. And today we might not worship uh, in, in the idea of the Gentiles, might not be worshiping as many gods in the sense of, like what it would have looked like back then, but there's a lot of things in our life that might take the place of God, right? So the things that take the place of God, 
those are, those are your God, the, the little g. Um, so the question really becomes, is there one true God and is Jesus his son uh, for the Gentiles? So the second question then is, how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And so, again, if we think it up from a, the, the perspective of the nation of Israel, had they heard Jesus? Had they heard him? They certainly had heard him speak, uh, you know, the, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000, many times that he was in the synagogues. They heard him just like you're hearing me. Or if I, if I was to go sound a note on the piano, you hear it, right? We hear lots of things. When, during the break, there was a lot of conversations going on. I heard a lot of conversations. I couldn't tell you what most of them were. I just heard. That's not the hearing that we're talking about here. The idea of hearing here is to hear uh, with understanding and to pay attention with an emphasis on accurately understanding what is being spoken. So the idea of heard is not just hear, right? But it's hearing, it's like an active hearing. It's hearing with the idea of understanding what God is saying. Did, did the Jewish people understand what Jesus was saying? Did they, did they go into it with a mindset of, I want to know what he's saying, I want to understand it, and I want to I grasp it? And then the third question becomes, which seems like a very practical question, how then shall they hear without a preacher? So um, Paul brings in this idea that someone needs to proclaim the message. Someone needs to give the message, which is why he will bring in uh, the verse in 15 from the Old Testament about uh, those that proclaimed the message. When they were coming back, the message there was not necessarily the same message as this message. It was the message of uh, being set free from captivity, from physical captivity, but the concept is the same, right? There has to be someone who gives that message. So if there's no one to give the message, how will they hear? If, if you and I don't speak up, how will our friends, those people that we come in contact with, how will they hear? So that's a good question, something for us to ponder. And then the fourth question is, how shall they preach unless they are sent? How shall they preach unless they are sent? And uh, Paul then refers back to this, this verse from the Old Testament, which is in Isaiah and, uh, and Naaman, which says, uh, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. How beautiful are the feet of them. So um, the, the messengers didn't have good-looking feet. That wasn't the point. As you think about that, sometimes I tend to be very literal uh, in, in my uh, life. Uh, you can ask Beth sometimes, it drives her nuts, but I, I, I tend to be very literal. So when I read, <clears throat> when I read this, I'm like, I know, it's, I know he's not talking specifically about their feet because we could look at every preacher's feet or every missionary's feet, and some of them might be beautiful, but by and large, they'd be average or less than average, you know? And so we'd be like, well, it's not beautiful feet. 
And so what is it? Well, what, is that, what is that idea of beautiful feet? I think it's like this. If we were to say, um, you know, like for use an example, uh, not necessarily a true life example, but one that could happen. Uh, and we have eight grandchildren, right? Now they're not all moving around yet, but they're close. So they're all moving around and doing their thing and getting along together. And everyone's having a good time and no one's arguing. It might just be your own children, you know, no one's arguing. We might say that's a beautiful thing when that happens. Or we might look at when we are doing ministry together in things like camp or uh, the Halloween uh, outreach or uh, VBS, right? When we're all working together uh, in, in a way that honors God, it's a beautiful thing to see. And I think that's the idea here. The idea is that the messengers coming, bringing good tidings is a beautiful thing. And it's not necessarily that their feet are, are attractive, but it's the fact that the message that they're bringing and the fact that they're bringing that message is an amazing thing. You know, there were messages delivered, right? We can think of the times in the Bible when there were messages delivered that it was not a beautiful thing. You think about, uh, about Lot, not Lot, sorry. Uh, you think about Job and all the messengers that came to Job at the beginning of the book of Job. That was not a beautiful thing. You think about the messenger that came to David and said, King Saul is dead. That was not a beautiful thing. So it's not the idea that you're just a messenger, but it's the content of the message that makes it a beautiful thing. Um, as, we, uh, as we think about this, um, about the message and about it being a beautiful thing, Remember Isaiah said that Jesus, uh, in Isaiah 9, 6, that he would be the Prince of Peace. And then I liked uh, that verse in Hebrews, the beginning of the, of the book, Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways in times past, um, at, to the, spoke to the fathers in times past by the prophets, uh, has in these last days spoken to us by his son the message of good tidings the message of the gospel the message of the goodness of god glad tidings um, just an amazing thing it's an amazing thing uh, when we consider those verses from hebrews that all through the ages god sent messengers with good tidings he sent them with with the message of peace that god wanted to have a relationship with man and for us today, we have such a greater messenger than the children of Israel had back in their day because he has sent his son to be the messenger for us. What an amazing thing that God would send his own son to be the messenger that would bring the message of, of his uh, salvation and of his goodness. So as... Um, as we think about that, and we think about these questions that were asked, that Paul has put forth, and as we think about the gospel going out in good tidings, Paul then kind of takes a different turn and says this in verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? And as I was thinking about that and thinking about the Apostle Paul, he's penning these words, right? 
And it must have been a sadness to Paul to write those words, to think about the reality is that the message has gone forth. The good news has come. Jesus is, has come. He, he lived, he died, he rose again. He's, he is the Messiah that, that Israel longed for and looked for. But not everyone has believed. And how sad it is that, that not everyone believed, right? And we know uh, from other places, and we'll, we'll look a little bit further at that, uh, in the idea of uh, Israel's lack of belief, their disbelief. So Paul, Paul writes this then, uh, which is uh, from Habakkuk uh, chapter 2 and verse 4. He says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Habakkuk wrote the same words, uh, in chapter 2 and verse 4, he said, the just shall live by faith. It's always been about faith. There was a requirement as an Israelite to keep the law and attempt to do that and to offer the sacrifices, but that alone, without faith, would not please God, right? We read in other places in the scripture that without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It's always been about faith, not about what you and I or even the Israelites could do in their day. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing, uh, it's not the same word as we looked at in the questions where the word heard and hear is used, but the word hear uh, has the idea of paying attention to and listening carefully. Paying attention to and listening carefully. So in other words, if I think about that, uh, having grown up in, in church all my life, I'm sure that there's been plenty of times when I have heard with my ear, but I haven't paid attention. And uh, I, you know, I, I grew up in a time uh, when Every, every Sunday night there was a gospel meeting and there would be weeks of meetings, right? And I went, I, I went to those because my parents took me, right? I was a kid, so I went to those meetings and I heard the gospel many times. But until it had an impact on my life, until I really heard the gospel, where I really thought about what the gospel was, I was just hearing it. I wasn't really paying attention to what was being said. <clears throat> so the word of God is what we are hearing, right? If we think about uh, that, that verse, uh, verse 17, the message is God's word, the action is hearing, the outcome is faith. The message is God's word, the action is hearing, the outcome is faith. God's word uh, comes with a promise. In Isaiah 55, 11, he would say this about his word, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I, have, what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. In John 6 and 63, Jesus said this. He said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The word of God is unique from all the other words that we'll ever hear. 
It's the only thing in our life that will make a difference. It's the only thing that will change us. It's the only thing that will give us life. All the words that I say that are connecting all this are really of very little value. You might even say they're of no value. It's God's word alone that has value. It's him alone that gives life, and he is the one in whom we are to listen to. As we move on in our passage uh, from 18, really kind of to the end of the chapter, uh, Paul's going to address uh, the, the Israelite response, how Israel responded as a nation uh, to the questions that he asked. And he's also going to bring in the Gentiles in, uh, the, in the answers to those responses. So Paul says this um, in verse 18, but I say, have they not heard? Have they not heard? So um, I would suggest that, that that can apply to not just to the nation of Israel, but to all of us because of the passage that he uses to bring the evidence that they have heard, right? He brings in Psalm 19, and Psalm 19, we're going to read uh, beginning in verse 1 and read to verse 4. Verse 4 is what he quotes here, but Psalm uh, 19 and verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. I think Paul's argument here is, look, even if you've never heard specifically a, a word of the gospel, God is clearly evident in all that he has made. Now you say, well, there's a lot of people that don't see that, and I would suggest that they don't see that because they don't want to allow God into their life. When I allow God into my life, there's a responsibility then on my part. God has expectations, and I need to do something about that. So if there's no God, right, then I don't have to worry. I can make up my own rules, my own, my own way, and, and go in that direction. But God says, look, if you seriously consider creation, you will see me evident in creation you will see him evident in creation. In fact, uh, we know from Philippians chapter 1 that it says that, uh, that Christ made all things. He created all that exists. So not just God, right? Because people will talk about God. People are less likely to want to have a conversation with you about the Lord Jesus Christ because it creates a need for a response from that. So, um, Paul says creation is an evidence against Israel and against all of us that God exists and that we have heard. We cannot say, I've never heard, I've never seen, I've never seen any evidence of God anywhere that that's, that's uh, the, one of the first evidence he uses in relation to Israel. And then uh, 
he would go on to say this in verse 19. Did Israel not know? Did they not know? Perhaps they heard, but they just didn't grasp it. They didn't understand it. And we know from uh, back in the beginning of this, it says in verse 2 in chapter 10, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So there was some aspect in which they didn't know, uh, but it, it relates generally to not knowing who the Messiah is, right? Not being willing to accept who Jesus is. Um, so he quotes, a, he quotes a verse from uh, Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 32 and verse 21. And uh, if you look at those verses, uh, it's really very sobering passage uh, as you read through that. Uh, when in verse uh, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 15, it says about Israel, then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. And then in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 20 and 21, he says, says this, And God said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols but I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation, and I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. And so God says, I'm going to bring another nation that's not Jewish. I'm gonna bring a Gentile nation. I'm gonna use them to provoke you, to try to win you back, to bring you back, to make you see who I am, that you would want me and that you would long for me. And then Isaiah uh, goes even further in his, um, in his commentary on this. He says this, he says, even the people who were not seeking or asking for me found me. People who were not looking for me, people who didn't know who I was have found me and I have made myself known to them because Israel turned away and God brought in the Gentiles, God's grace. There's God's grace. That's, it's bad news if you're, if, for the nation of Israel. It's good news for all the rest of us. Um, but God's not done yet. The story's not ended, uh, and we won't actually get to the end of it today. Um, but, uh, so God's not done, but he, and he's still at work. Um, but we see the mercy and the goodness of God uh, in these things. And he says... Um, I'd like, to, I'd like to read um, a couple of verses from Stephen when he was being stoned. And just prior to that, he's, he's telling uh, the religious leaders and those that were gathered there, he's giving them the account of like the, the summary of the history of Israel and how they're, how they're acting. And in uh, Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 51, uh, Stephen says this to those who were gathered there. And it really sums up um, where Israel was when Jesus came and how they responded to who Jesus was. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you have always resisted the Holy Spirit. 
as your fathers did, so did you, so do you. Which of the prophets did the fathers not persecute? And and they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. So, you know, that's not just some lunatic just, you know, going off on his own. That's Stephen speaking through inspiration of the Holy Spirit to really just lay it right out for the nation of Israel. This is, this is what you've done. This is who you are. This is how God sees you. And those are sobering words uh, for the nation of Israel. So then we come to verse 21, the last verse of our passage, and, um, and uh, Isaiah writes this, All day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And um, that's found in Isaiah 65, and I just want to read a few verses from there because they really uh, help us understand uh, God's uh, charges against Israel, in a sense, and where they were as a nation. And he says this, I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their, to their own thoughts, a people who provoke me to anger continually to my face, who sacrifice in gardens and burn incense on altars of brick, who sit among the graves and who spend the, nights, spend the night in tombs, who eat swine's flesh and the broth of abominable things is in their vessel. That's a very serious place to be before God, isn't it? In a place where you've just completely gone the opposite direction. And we can look at Israel and we can say, you know, we can, we, we all read the stories of, that are in the Old Testament and sometimes you're like, how could they be so stupid, right? I mean, I don't know if, maybe I'm the only one that thinks that sometimes, but um, you just read through these things and you're like, what, what are they doing? And then, what I find that's, that's so sobering is that I can find, I can look at my own life and go, what, what are you doing? Why aren't you listening to what God is asking you to do? Why aren't you being obedient to what God is calling you to do? You know, there's those times in your life when God takes that story and they read it and you go like, what are they doing? And then you look at yourself and you're like, oh, I see, I'm very similar to them. To the nation of Israel, the Lord Jesus would say this, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her, broods under, her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. The compassion and the love of God as the Lord Jesus looks out across the city of Jerusalem. And I don't think he stood there with his arms crossed. 
I think he stood there just like Isaiah would write. All day long, I have stretched out my arms, desiring for you to come, and you would not. In John chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world did not know him. And he came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. The Lord Jesus, they, they, they had been looking for hundreds of years for the Messiah to come. He comes. He stands before them. He proclaims who he is. And they reject him. To those of us who are Gentiles, which is probably most of us, right? The message has, is the same. The Lord Jesus Christ stands longing for us to come. Longing for us to listen. If we don't know him, he wants us to come and receive the glad tidings of salvation. If we know him, he longs for us to obey him moment by moment and day by day to spend time with him, to get to know him. And he stands with his arms held open wide for everyone in this room. And he longs for you and me more than we can comprehend. And God will continue through the Christ to stand with open arms until that day when the last one comes to the, comes to the Savior and then there will be no more opportunity. So what about practical applications for us from this chapter? Well, if you look at verses Verse 14 and 15, um, several commentators would say this is basically the basis for Christian missions, that we should go because there's people who haven't heard. So who should go? I mean, there's, right, we got the missionary handbook and there's lots of other mission organizations and we could gather them all and look at all the people. So those are the ones that should go because they're there, so apparently they should go. But, you know, that they were sent, right? They were sent by trusting by the Lord, by uh, the church that they belong to, the mission board that they're involved with. But you and I are equally sent to bring the message of good tidings to this world, just as John reminded us this morning in talking with the patient. We are sent. We might not, right? We might not go to some foreign country. We might not go beyond our normal existence of life, the things that we do, just normal things, work, school, grocery store, whatever it will be. But there's people out there that need the message of good tidings. Yesterday, Yesterday, we, uh, 
we ran to Wegmans for some things, and um, I've gotten in the habit of giving out a little business side card that'll have something like Jesus loves you and some verses on the back, and so I have a couple Christmas ones, so I thought, oh, I'm going to give this to this young lady, and uh, I handed her the card, and I said, Merry Christmas, and she looked at it very quickly, and I was, I was like moving the card out of the way, and she handed it back to Beth and said, I don't celebrate Christmas. Now, that's okay. She didn't want to celebrate Christmas, right? I'm not going to stand there and argue with her, but there's somebody who needs to know Jesus. I don't think she was not celebrating Christmas in the sense of, I don't want to give gifts. I think it was more in the sense of, I don't believe in any of that. The people that you work with, the people that you spend time with, the people that you interact with, there are people who need to know Jesus, and we are the ones who are sent. This is not, a, this is not like a guilt trip, unless the Holy Spirit puts it on you, and then you have to take it up with him. But it's just the reality of life, right? We have an opportunity, probably most every day, to share something about the Lord with somebody. And let's make the most of those opportunities because as, as was said in uh, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you're here this morning and you're hearing and you don't know Jesus, he's calling to you for a, to, to surrender to him for salvation and to live a life that's pleasing to him. And if you're here and you do know Jesus, then this verse, that verse, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, is just as applicable to me and to you as believers as it is to an unbeliever. Because faith is not that moment or that transition from being lost to being saved, that's part of it. But faith is ongoing in our life, right? It's an ongoing process of God sanctifying us through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that happens when we spend time in God's word, listening to God's word and thinking about it and asking the Lord to make it real to us and to change us by the things that we've heard. So I trust today that we will not be like the nation of Israel who has rejected Christ, has rejected the Messiah. Individuals can still be saved. Individual Jewish people can be saved because the message goes out to all, whosoever will. But let's not be like the nation of Israel that turned their back on God. Let's, as individuals, be those who, who seek after God, who pursue him to know him, and to live for him. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that in your heart of compassion that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus. As your word would say, we know and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. And as John would write elsewhere, that whosoever will, uh, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, Father, thank you for everyone in this room who has made that choice 
to know, to, to accept the, the work of Christ and Calvary on their behalf. And for any who don't know you, Father, that they would turn to you. Help us, Father, to be, um, to have a zeal for those around us, to have a zeal uh, to share the gospel, to share the good news, to be those who have beautiful feet because we have a message of hope and of love and of forgiveness from the almighty, holy, righteous, and just God. So, Father, we just give all these things to you and ask for your help in applying them to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.